is waiting on fries. That you don't get it? You don't. What do you mean you don't get waiting on fries? Hopefully the customer never hears waiting on fries. But all this time on the entree and it's perfectly executed, and then you're it's like, ready Fuck, to go. I forgot to fire the fries. I just always use that when I forgot to put somebody's order in, and I was like, hey, I'm just waiting on the fries. It's gonna be two more minutes. Realistically, I come back 10 minutes with the food. Exactly. <laughs> they just know that their food's not there in the service, so they're still waiting on fries. I guess we're just waiting on fries. That's okay. I don't understand. I don't get it. Why would anybody want to just contribute their free time to joining a board of any type? And what you're missing right now is that we were just discussing just volunteering his time into doing things in the community. Not, well, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's exactly not, what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> no, like my brother is on the board of the co-op in White Plains that he lives in, and that's I'm just, important. I'm just like, why are you doing that? They don't pay you to do that. There's literally zero benefit to doing that. Actually, I think there's more than zero benefit to doing, that. especially so, if you live in the complex where you're on the board. Yeah, if but you like, live in the complex, <laughs> it makes sense. Like yeah, I want if you're on the board of a, co- if you live in the complex and you're on that board, you get to be involved with the decision making process. So exactly, it's like. You know, if they're going to decide stuff that happens in the complex that you live in, you'd like to be one of the people that are consulted with the decision-making. Same with, like, a chamber of commerce, which really showed to be helpful this year because it was through the chamber of commerce that uh, the village, specifically for restaurants, like our village and other municipalities, the chamber of commerce that were the people that step up and got things done like, for example, the outdoor seating extension into the streets, et cetera, which in Mamaronic was the last one to put it out, at least in our area, was the last municipality to to allow restaurants to take over the street parking and turn it into, like, a makeshift patio. Yeah. And that came from the push from the chamber to allow restaurants to do that. The and chamber which you are now a part of. Which I, which we, yes. I mean, we we joined the chamber when we opened a business, and now I'm going to take an added role on the board of the chamber specifically for an outlet for all the restaurants that are Chamber of Commerce members. So if they have a question, how can we get this done? It's going to come that's through gonna, It's going to come through me. Like, yeah. It's going to be my, I guess, responsibility to try to find that out and try to push for the restaurant side of it. So you're telling me before you decided to do this donation of time to the Chamber of Mamaronic, is that it? Yeah. The Chamber, Chamber of, of Com- The Mamaronic Chamber of Commerce. The Mamaronic Chamber of Com- Commerce. Before that, there was nobody having to do with anything restaurant. Correct. So, was, and what do they handle again? They just handle... So, historically or traditionally, Chamber of Commerce is supposed to be a place of resource for businesses in the community. So, if you open a business and you're a small business or whatever, you would join the, commer- uh, join the Chamber of Commerce and, you know, it might have some added benefits or at least a group to kind of go and talk to as fellow business um, owners in the business town owners or operators in the in the municipality that you're talking about and it's a resource so you would go and say hey does anybody know about this does anybody know that do you have a guy that does this do you have a guy that does that and it would kind of like float around so it was a valuable thing um, some I, you don't see this as much anymore because healthcare has become a very expensive thing but there were times where a chamber of commerce would provide um, would provide um, health insurance or health care through the chamber, and it was essentially a cheaper way to do it. Because if you're familiar, if you're a bigger, the bigger a company you are, the cheaper you can get health care because you're providing it for. Let's say you're, you know, we're a small company. The bulk, bulk like deal. 20, yeah, yeah, we have twenty employees, right, and like five full time employees. So, health care for us is 
extremely expensive. If you put 30 small companies together and they all have five employees that they can put on healthcare, you know, now you can get a bigger deal healthcare. So yeah. chambers, um, can I sometimes, make that easier for them to understand too with the bulk where it's like, you know, the ski chores, the ski trips. Like right. if you go solo and you go on a ski trip, you're paying a shit ton of money for your exactly. lift tickets and whatnot. But when you belong to a ski group that's national, now your lift tickets are only $30 because you pay $10 dues a year or something exactly. like that. You split up the costs amongst more people. Nooms is so, giving me the abstract look. Yeah. I don't think that was a better example yeah. than what he was I knew talking he was about. Getting I know what he was getting at. Listen, like, listen, I'm not a part of a it's ski okay. group. So, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So, I mean, that was that. They don't really do it anymore again because the healthcare has gotten wildly expensive and do whatever. But that was one of the values you could get. So you'd have like a whole bunch of businesses share the cost of healthcare, bring it down a little bit, that kind of thing. That's a cool idea. I didn't know that. So, but then, you know, Chamber is there for those kind of resources. And then again, this, this year became really valuable because especially in our village, the village did not want to handle <laughs> the outdoor dining at all. Which is and, strange. And they said, you know, listen, you want, you guys want to do it, let the chamber handle it. You guys have to put, do all the paperwork. You have to put it together. You have to get the applications. You have to approve everybody, do whatever. The chamber is going to be in charge of doing everything and they can submit it to the village and we'll sign off on it, but we're not going to do any of the heavy lifting. So if you weren't a member of the chamber of commerce, you did not get street parking. So it was good for the chamber of commerce at the village of that because they basically walked up and down the street and be like, Hey, we're going to get this patio access on the street, but you have to be a member of the chamber of commerce. You know, it's 200 bucks dues for the year, but you get this benefit. So they, Signed up like fifteen restaurants yeah. on the, uh, you know, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Two hundred like, yeah, bucks, yeah, bucks, and I'll join the chamber, and I get my revenue for the summer. So Absolutely. it was good for the chamber. It ended up being a good deal altogether. And then recently, um, the chamber changed presidents, a new president who I spoke to a lot, and we went back and forth and emailed and try to be creative with different things, try to help, basically help the business in the municipality, and that's what the chamber is. Strict overly focused not strictly focused but overly focused on the business welfare in the you know village town whatever that chamber jurisdiction is which is important because i mean if you're losing restaurants or businesses on these trips the property values go down because nobody wants to come right, right? like right you need and, there, this business. and there needs to be a voice to the village or to town whatever you want wherever you are town city village whatever uh there needs to be a voice to the village um to represent the restaurants. Otherwise, no one really knows what they want, what you need, what you want, or whatever. So that's, I guess that's me now. <laughs> well, was there a process to that? You just emailed them? You were like, hey, heard you need a restaurant it's on the like, board. Yeah, I'm uh, well, I'm the the new, they switched presidents. So the president that was the president was stepping down, whatever, retiring. The new president, who I was familiar with during this whole process, basically said he would like to have a specific restaurant representation on the board, which they didn't have before. And he basically said, do you know anybody who'd be interested in doing it? And I'm like, are you asking me or may, or asking me to suggest somebody? I hate that and question I like, also. I hate that question. <laughs> yeah, I was like, can we be more direct here? I was yeah. like, you want me to say, like, I'll do it? Or do you want me to tell you who I think should do it? Because both answers is me. But, <laughs> but, you know, what are you asking? So I basically just said, like, I, I could do it. You know, like, what is, what's the requirement? It's not, it's not too much. It's once a month, I have yeah. a meeting. And if the restaurants on the Ave have a problem, or not just the Ave, but in the village have a 
looking for someone for you know they have a specific question or something that they want someone address. To answer, yeah, I, you know, I'll be an open ear, which I don't mind doing because I, it's beneficial to us as restaurant operators to have our ear to the floor and know what's going on with the whole restaurant community. Yeah, right. It's beneficial to have your whole community successful and yeah. happy. So one, I get privy to you know whatever the issues are, and I can. Maybe there's an issue I don't even realize that's an exactly. issue, that's and it helps our business as well. But it's also just good for the entire restaurant community for us to have one place to go to and say like, "Oh, we need this, we need that," because the better everybody does, the better everybody does. How many like how many people are on this board? Uh, I think twelve. Okay, and diversified across yeah, various businesses, and yeah, different communities. It's like the, the cobbler is oh. one guy. Yeah. Like you're the restaurant guy. What My first meeting is coming up, so I, don't, I haven't been to a, a chamber meeting yet. It's on Zoom? For now, yeah. Right, okay, which is going to be weird, too, to have to do that. Yeah. Uh, and then in having, like, all these people out here, they're trying to do Zoom, and everyone has their own opinions about the street parking. Do you think that people are going to defend the restaurants in the streets on these meetings, or you think that they're kind of just... It's going well, to be over soon, and that's it. The chamber meetings is, is just a chamber, so it's not like a public or anything like that. It's just a chamber. It's just the chamber people. members talking about issues for the chamber and what's come up with the businesses and do we have to address something, etc. So at least. So if there's like an issue in your chamber meeting, you bring that to a town hall meeting. We would bring it to yeah. That would be like, do we need to bring this to a town hall meeting? Yeah. And that and those meetings are public. So the outside seating though is coming to a wrap soon. So it's it is a wrap. It's fully a wrap. A wrap. Like, right now, it's done. According to the village, yes. Okay, so according in the meeting me not, that you according have... According to me, not so much. But. <laughs> in the meeting that you have then tomorrow, is that a cause that's brought up? Like, no, no, hey, we still I need these I don't have things? a meeting tomorrow. So it's just... It's wrap. But I don't know when... The first meeting is next week or something like that. We already did. We already made our push to extend it, and we and got And the city said no, and, we and got so that's why he's doing it village. on the sidewalk. Village. So he's village. just doing whatever he wants. Yeah. He, yeah. Renegade. He's declaring Smokehouse an autonomous zone. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, did you did you see the uh, there was a restaurant on Staten Island yep. yeah, that yeah. said That's they declared crazy. themselves an autonomous, autonomous zone. zone? Yeah, and they, they they said we're gonna declare we'll ourselves take fines. A, we're, yeah. we're an autonomous zone. We're and therefore not. We don't have to listen to any of the government rules. Yep. <laughs> and they're just like That's happening in Staten Island. We're not listening right now. <laughs> to any of the capacity things or regulations. Yeah. Because we're an autonomous zone. I mean, but I thought the, Staten Island credit, already was. No, not really. But to their credit, this restaurant who's saying that is also saying that they're taking proper precautions to keep yeah. their guests safe and whatnot. All they're not doing is following the 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 curfew, the curfew and the and guest the ca- limits and the capacity the ca- restrictions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so they've declared themselves outside of the jurisdiction of New York State. Yeah. So, they but so what they're to... doing is accepting all the fines and problems yeah. that come with it. I think they got no. That was something else I was reading. That was something else I was reading. about um, a bar that lost their liquor license. But so they're still they're giving away alcohol and accepting donations for it because, yeah, I mean crazy stuff, crazy stuff. I mean, so then and then there's a big there's those big loss there's a lot of big lawsuits too like Kyle, Kyle's uh Kyle had on Tina, help me out Tina's I don't have her name on hand. Go ahead I though. Don't remember her last name, but Tina has a restaurant in Staten Island who brought the lawsuit against the state, talking about you know, where the where the lines were, where she's not she was not allowed to have indoor dining because the city was restricted, remember that whole thing? Mm-hmm. And they said everybody else can have indoor dining now, yep. but not New York City. Yep. And because she was in um, Staten Island or 
no Queens. It's it's Queens like right on the border of Long Island, Long Island, Staten Island. I'm getting I'm confusing my boroughs now. But she was technically in in five boroughs. Yeah. 500 feet away from their restaurant was Long Island. Uh, Long Island was not part of the restrictions. She was like, I can see people going out to eat there at that place, that 500 sucks. feet away from me, but I'm not allowed to. Mm-hmm. Speak of the devil. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you, you going to do then if these guys are angry at you for still producing, sitting on the sidewalk and letting people... Eat. I mean, you're not shutting that down, even though it's shut down. No, I'm, we're gonna leave it open and see where see where it goes. For now, like I don't know. I feel like they're gonna really ticket a restaurant for trying to stay open and trying to. Hopefully not. I feel like it's a bad PR move right now. Yeah. And I try. Listen, I tried to address the situation before we got to and like make some creative suggestions. You know that it was like you know crickets. I guess no one was listening to me. So I guess you're just gonna eat the ticket. I'm fine with it because I'm gonna fight it anyway. But I sat, <laughs> I sat in on the village board meeting the when meeting. they were vote like supposed to vote on it. Yeah. And it is so antiquated and so like old. And I'm like, how do you get anything done at this meeting? They literally had to vote the chiefs. The I'm first of all, I just sit through so much stupid bullshit. Like before they talked about like just town village crap that they talk about in these meetings it's like who gives a shit yeah but they had to approve buying a new truck for the chief of the fire department and there and one guy was like we need to buy a new not the fire truck but just like the truck that the fire chief chief drives drives around around, right like Like, the ford explorer type thing so they're like yeah the current chief's truck is like a 2004 you know explorer with 200,000 miles on it he needs a new car and they were like do we really need to spend thirty thousand dollars on a new car i'm sitting there i'm like it's it's not like they're saying it's three years old and he would like the new new model. It's yeah. twenty years old and it's got two hundred thousand. You can have your chief driving around a hoopty. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Like, there's what an you, emergency. He needs like, to get what, there. Yeah. What do you mean? Like you know, it's like what are you? T- that's this is automatic. Just vote yes. Yeah. Like well, let's move on. Just get on. the guy in your car. But it was crazy. But they yeah they decided they don't want to keep the outside open. So I'm pulling. We're pulling all our stuff off the. They put the barriers and everything yeah, on the, the street. Barriers. So that I'm going to take off the street because they're going to remove the barriers tomorrow. Mm. So that puts the guests at risk. Like, I can't just leave that open. Right. But the sidewalk, I'm leaving out there. Are you? And are I'm going to serve. Okay. I'm going to serve out there. And I told them, I said, I'm going to tell them, give me a ticket. Write me a ticket. Be the only municipality in Westchester writing restaurants ticket for trying to serve people outside during COVID and trying to stay alive. And let me go to court in front of the public <laughs> public TV cameras yeah. and fight the ticket publicly to the village of Amerinick. Right. And let's see how that everybody takes that, you know? And yeah. I'll write me the ticket. <laughs> I told my staff, I was like, I am leaving the tables outside. And there I've encouraged go. other ta- other restaurants to do the same. Has anybody joined you? Oh, t- we'll see tomorrow, <laughs> you know, because tomorrow is the first day. Right. So, But I'm not going to take them down. I'll take a ticket after ticket after ticket. Yeah, stand your ground. You know, because... Do you think they'll come after you if you like try and? Yeah, I think they will. But we'll we'll find out what happens. I'm not, you know, whatever. Tickets are tickets. How does Mike feel yeah. about the tickets? He's a, he's on board. He's on board. He was like, yeah, it's stupid. I understand. If their their whole thing is snow removal. Right. Right. I'm like, okay, yeah, kind of, but not really. Seems like a cop out kind of excuse. Yeah. But I said, fine. If snow removal is your big thing, we'll take it off the parking lot, but let's keep the sidewalk open, like right. the regular sidewalk cafe. And 
they were like, no. I was like, well, what's the argument there? Snow removal? You don't have to get I'll Did clean it. Did they have an argument like, for that? No, they haven't responded. So well, then there like, you go. I'm just leaving it up. And we'll see what happens. It almost feels like a, a danger with a lot of these towns when you're talking about things like antiquated rules and antiquated city officials where they have no young, fresh ideas to kind of come in and try to do something new and different. Like when you talk about the two cities, and by no way is this a promotion for Stanford by any means, but like when you talk about the two big cities outside of New York City that are in Westchester and, and Connecticut, that's White Plains and Stanford. And that battle was always a thing since back in the day when everyone was going out to the bars and they were like, which side of the towns are we going on for the bars? Are we doing Stanford? Are we doing White Plains? And you could just see it within the towns, though, like how differently they operate. And all of the festivals and things that White Plains does, like, nobody turns out to them. It's all, like, a 50-plus crowd that's, like, showing up, really. And in Stanford, you go to any of the events that they have in Stanford, and it's just, like, all, like, 27-year-old kids just, like, raging and having a little bit of a party. And I feel like, you know, what you're saying here with Mavarinik's town, just, you know, the fire chief just driving, like, a 20-year-old beater with 200,000 miles on it. It's completely absurd (laughs) that you haven't figured out where to kind of build money, save money, make money, and, like, obviously let the restaurants operate because if they're doing it outside, it's safer than them doing it inside as far as everyone's been screaming about nonstop right. for the last few months. So it's it's weird to see that happen. It's not like you're not taking precautions to keep everybody safe, you know? It's Ooh. like, exactly. like one thing's like behave like a savage and then not really care about the public or care about the public but also try and keep your business afloat. Like right. Right, and you see people want to still sit outside even if it's cold out. So why are we taking that away from? Yeah. Why are we taking right. that option away? If they're willing, if the custom, the, you know, if the it's guests are, nobody wants to the be guests want to sit outside, yeah. and we want to serve them outside, <laughs> and we're not, you know, getting in the way of actual operations of a village or whatever. I don't understand the. I don't understand the issue. Just right. let us deal with. Don't worry about. Oh, well, are you sure? Because one of the responses was, I don't think people are going to want to sit outside in in January, and I was like. Oh, Let think? us deal with that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Just yeah. give me the permission to try. Yeah. And if, you know, we can deal with it. You know what I mean? But why are you just saying, no, we don't try. it doesn't cost you so anything. Don't even try. You know, whatever. When you talk about, uh, and not when you talk about, as we're They just... passed the new chief truck, by the way. That was, I just thought it was ridiculous it was even a conversation. We should write them an email <laughs> yeah. and be like, thank God we got that hazardous <laughs> waste material off the road. Also, the other thing that was weird is they had to, uh, you know, it was a Zoom meeting. So they got the Zoom meeting all together. And then before they started the meeting, they had to do like this, you know, I need a motion to start the meeting. And someone was like, I second it. All in favor. <laughs> I'm serious? like, yo, you all signed on to the fucking Zoom you're doing, you're, you're Isn't that enough of a sign that we're going to have a meeting tonight? You have to actually vote to have a meeting? Like, what kind of stupid shit are we doing here? Like when they go to Parliament? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's exactly like a Parliament yeah. meeting over Zoom. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Uh, you know, you might be sitting there wondering who's this fourth voice that you're actually hearing here. And we're actually joined here, and we're talking a little bit about Lila Rose here with J.J. Eno. Hey, dog. What's going on? I did that right, right? I rolled it <laughs> enough? Did yeah. I roll your last name enough? Eno. Eno. No. I, I know. <laughs> I'm terrible. Uh, we were saying on the last episode how bad we were with foreign languages. Um, Wait till he tries to spell it. Yeah, don't do that to me. <laughs> but as we were just saying, too, about Mamarinik kind of being a little antiquated in the way they do things and... You know, you need that younger generation to come in with fresh ideas. Like, you're a fucking young dude crushing the game right now. Thank you. How old are you? 30. <laughs> See that? I can't even tackle anything by 30. <laughs> yeah, three more years, I still haven't accomplished anything. But 
when you came into the, this whole restaurant space, you know, you're over there managing as a, a partner with Lila Rose right now. You've ran through a handful of different places, just like building blocks and learning all this different shit about the restaurant space and starting from things as little as working in like a Planet Pizza. Yeah. And like doing Planet Pizza, you came over here from Columbia. Yep. And you spent some time over there doing a little bit training to be a chef. That's correct. I thought that was my calling. Well, that's really what I enjoy. I, I still enjoy cooking. I love cooking. And it's just like growing up, I worked at a deli uh, over in Croton Falls, um, North Salem, New York. And and I always wanted to get into like this, the, the uh, sandwich station. And I was just trying to always like trying to get up. But because I was so young, they would never let me. And then finally, I started working in restaurants. Um, in Colombia, I worked in one, and and then I just kind of fell in love with it, and I knew that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of the time, and went to school there for about four years, and then. What was culinary school like down there? Culinary school there is like five days a week. I was doing it at night, working uh, during the day at a call center, mm. so you really had about five hours of class every single day. And they taught you everything from basic cooking skills to management to costing out. That they treated it really like a career, not just um, culinary training. Um, so that helped out a lot. And when it, when that happened, I was going to go and work in in cruise ships. But I guess it was just luck. Um, I I got to Norwalk. My mother and my brother JC were were living there and. We started working at Planet Pizza, and that's where it began, you know? That was a... Let's dial back to Columbia yeah, first, because yeah, yeah. there's so much to, like, cover there. And we're, I was just telling you about my father, who's Moroccan, and, you know, a lot of my family is not Americanized, as I have all these roots in Northwest Africa, right? And in being in Colombia, when you talk about things like food, and you see these platings, then there are things that are, like, traditional to you, what are some of those Colombian foods that are just like, this is what we do, and we have this all the time here? Like ajiaco. Which is? Ajiaco is the soup. It's a, it's a chicken-based soup with cream, but it's, it's, everything is from the local farms. So, and, and because Colombia is so diverse and you have so many regions, you're constantly, you can't go to a different city and then try the same plate. Every city's got their own, like, version voice. of that dish. Yes, but also just a completely different dish. So some, like you go to Cartagena or Barranquilla, they're away from the country, um, divided by the mountains. So you go there and it's all Caribbean and it's all food, uh, seafood. Um, and everything is done fresh. Everything's literally coming from the farms straight to the restaurants. Um, but yeah. You don't pay a premium for that there, though, straight from the farms to the restaurants. Isn't that just kind of the, the way it is? Yeah. Yeah, so so they have sort of like the the Costco there, where all of the farms will meet in one place. But the restaurant, there's no there's no real like you have vendors for the big companies, but really like the small restaurants will just all meet there in these food halls and then just buy directly from from the producers. It's so, almost like a farmers market. Farmers market, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's just that's just how they run. And this is Bogota, which is like the capital of Colombia, and most of these restaurants are going out and, and just getting straight from the source. And Bogota is a, a bit of a finance hub, though, too. Isn't oh, yeah. It? When you were doing telemark, that's how you started things as you were going through school, right? You were doing yeah, a little bit yeah, so my cousin, the call center. Yeah, my cousin owned this uh, call center that they sold 
uh, phone cards and they sold them actually here in the United States. So while I was going to school, I was able to continue practicing my English, never really lost that. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. Um, but, but yeah, that was, that was the job and, and a lot of different things that, that were happening there. So that puts you through chef school, essentially. What was the name of the school? Politécnico Internacional. Say that slower for me. <laughs> Politécnico Internacional. Okay. Oh. One more question about the uh, culinary school. So, like, when I went to culinary school here, we learned, um, like, French techniques. Were they teaching yeah. you guys, like, classic Colombian techniques, or were you learning, like, classic French techniques? Uh, no. So, it was a lot of... It, it was all basis. So, it wasn't really focusing on, on any specific cuisine. Mm. It was just, these are some French dishes. These are some Colombian dishes. This is how... Italians cook pasta and you know it, yeah. it's very basic but then they, they just kind of give you the building blocks and then and then they let you they let you just rock so and you said that then when you left Colombia and you came here you worked at a, a deli you said Bef- before I left for Colombia oh so okay. so I grew up I yes. grew up in North Salem um, New York and when I was about 15 I went to Colombia finished high school and then that's when went to college came back and then that's when I started working at the pizzeria. Gotcha. And in the deli, though, so that was your first, that was your first roots with food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yep. And it's funny because you were like, I was in the deli, I do sandwiches. I was just downstairs and I was screaming at my girl, I'm the sandwich king. If you ever tell another guy <laughs> he's the sandwich king, we're completely breaking up. And now you coming in here and saying that you were in the deli and you were a little bit the sandwich king, we're going to have to talk about that Let's off go. to the side. But yeah, I don't think he sent a chance. He went to culinary school. Del- delis are very, it's a very specific uh, you know, a deli sandwich is a very specific business. It is very specific of yeah. a business. And you know what? That's really, I think, what kind of shows JJ's roots, though, too. How do you, how do you build it? It's a deli sandwich. Because this, this is an argument. Right? I've, had, I've had this yeah. argument it's, at different delis. It's very delis. specific. Okay. Like, if, I, if, I, if you had to build, I don't know, give me a sandwich. Like, uh, What's your favorite let's sandwich? Go ba- let's What's go basic. Your, like, yeah. If I said ham, cheese, lettuce, tomato, mayo uh-huh. on a roll, right? Where, where does everything go? How does it go? Bread, mayo, ham. Cheese, lettuce, tomato, mayo. Okay. Right? Double right. mayo each side. Yeah. I would, I'm yeah. not a mayo. Guy, I would so. mayo each side. I would, I would argue do it a little the, different, though. Yeah. I so would. I, would, I would, let me say, I would go <laughs> mayo on the bottom. Um, then you have uh, lettuce, tomato, ham, cheese. Then you have mayo on the top bread, too. Because you, you, you want the toppings ne- nearest to the bread, not on top of the meat. Right. And you want to toast the bread. You got to toast the bread. On a, cold, on, on a, a straight cold, cold sandwich? I would right. toast. Yeah, on a cold I would sandwich? just toast the front, like the, the inside of the bread. You toast it lightly. I'm with it. him. Done. I'm with him. Uh, that's why I'm the sandwich. <laughs> you get the crisp. The crisp is everything. <laughs> Correct. The crisp not, is what's up. I think we stand divided like straight down the yeah. table. I'm this. not going to lie. I'm going to have to try this toast. I've never toasted it, my bread on a, on well, a sandwich. I've never toasted a cold cut sandwich. All right, shredded lettuce or regular lettuce? Shredded. Shredded. All right, good. All right, I, we, I was going to say, that's your next complaint. Is it shredded lettuce or is it just shredded all day? All day. No, so I'm... Obviously, over time, and we're about to talk to you about that for a little bit, too, is your roots definitely show through as you spent some considerable time in your youth in the deli. Because, you know, all the places that you've been and gone through, it's so focused on this, like, cafe idea, kind of. Yeah. And it shows through, through Lila Rose as well. And, like, we'll just step back and take them through how you actually got there and how that even evolved even further, too. Uh, because while we were recording the episode here last week with, uh, with John and Morgan, he said, JJ, you made the sandwich. And I overheard him and you were like, yeah, I made the sandwich. And he goes, it was a good fucking sandwich. <laughs> and I realized at that moment that, yeah, he's got some chefing going on, but still not the sandwich king. We'll talk about that later though. <laughs> well, wait, what kind of sandwich was it? 
All right, so we did toast the bread, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hit it with some he chimney. Right at me when chimichurri. <laughs> then we did arugula, tenderloin, steak slight, uh, sliced. Then we did a little bit of mayo, top it with some more bread. And that was it. Yeah, we're, pretty tasty. we're gonna have a sandwich off at some point <laughs> yeah, in know. the future. I'm way with that. I hope your body's ready. Yeah, yeah my, my body's always ready. So we we spent some time in Planet Pizza. Now you got hooked up through. I guess it was the family you said you knew the guys that kind of ran the place, and they yeah. said, "Yeah, let's give you a shot. Come on mm-hmm. in here." So you learned the basics of things at that point. You weren't making the pizzas, were you? No, 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 no. Never got to making pizzas. That's like that's a crazy thing to learn how to no. do. Throw the dough around in circles. Oh yeah, and no, that happened at Planet Pizza. Then that that's when I was like. I, I did the whole thing there. I learned... Oh, so you went through all the ropes there, then? Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, when I got there, originally, like, the only spot that they had was prep cook. So I went in, and I was just prepping in the morning, and then when it got busy, I would jump on the pasta station, I would cook some pastas, and then I was kind of like, all right, like, this is this is cool, but I want to learn how to make pizza. I've never made pizza before. So then they threw me on, on pizza for a while, and then I thought that that was the shit. So, you know, just, like, understanding how the dough worked and yeah. playing around with it. That was a lot of fun. A little cheese bay off the arm, oh, yeah. of the pie, <laughs> it with it. making it sexy and <laughs> yeah. selling it, sling it. Uh, but you were eventually managing that space, right? Yeah, yeah, for so, about two years. So in doing that, you're kind of like, you're setting up these building blocks of foundation pretty much to learn every single piece there is to the restaurant. I mean, like you probably go in and manage his books at the end of the day, no problem, because you learn some things closing out at the end of the night at right. Planet Pizza. And it's like... A lot of people are like, oh, Planet Pizza's not sexy. I don't work at Planet Pizza. Like, no, you just got that skill training that you needed to be able to advance your career in the next space anyway. Right. And, like, also, plus you had a job and you're super young anyway. <laughs> right, no. right back from Columbia. And at that point, I, I honestly I was just looking for, like, a good paycheck yeah. and experience and, like, really being able to just, like, do something because I... When I came here, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what was like, what was the hottest spot? Like, where where do I have to go work? It was just kind of like I came in, I needed a job, and that was it. My brother had already been working with them for a couple of months, so it just kind of like it just worked. Yeah, and that was it. So you spent a few years there, and it, then you said, "All right, I need to conquer the next level thing that exists," which then wound up being the granola bar. The granola bar, yeah. And again, my brother, he he had left <laughs> um, Planet Pizza first, and was just like, like, dude. Like you need, you need to come here right now because this is what we want. Like we don't want to, we used to be, we used to work from 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. at the pizzeria every yeah. single day. Yeah. And we used to drive an hour and a half back home because we lived in Norwalk. So like that was a trip and it was long, very long, hardworking days. And the granola bar gave you kind of that quality of life because you would go in at six o'clock in the morning, be done by 3 p.m. And you were still making money, you know, like we went in there as servers, we weren't managing. It's kind of like, we're going to make more money serving here than we are continuing to do what we're doing over at Planet Pizza. And, like, it's, just, it's time, you know? It's, it was Greenwich, Connecticut. It's, it, it, we kind of understood now what we needed to start doing to, to grow, you know? Um, and then, and then that, was, that was a great time. You know, we, we met a lot of great people. Um, Stu, Joe, Julie and Dana, the owners there, be, like, great people, you know? They, they, they really wanted to let everybody know what their vision was and 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 they, and they care about it you know so we learned a lot about that customer interaction through them and understanding because at planet pizza really you're tailoring to the guest needs and whatever it is that they want to go people that go in for a slice are people that are working locally they're just kind of like i need a quick lunch they grab it they go but people that are ordering at night is just kind of like 
I don't feel like cooking tonight, so let me get some pies. And then you get to know those people because they call you every single week, right? You become part of their routine. The granola bar was the same thing, but it was the morning routine. You start to know what, what people in Greenwich, Connecticut are eating and what they want to eat and how they behave every day. And you started to build that customer base where every single day they would come in and get the exact same thing. It got to the point where JC and I were, were so, in, like, so locked into it that we would see the, like, the, the family's car park and we would fire all the food. By the time that they were sitting down, they were already getting the coffee and the teas, you know? So it was like, it was cool. And, we, and it's always been a challenge. You know, it's always like, like, how can we, how can we just take like one more step? Just like make it better. It's not like like serious customer service and hospitality training there. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And I I think it's, it it comes naturally. It's not like we don't like, I will never take a job where I walk in. I'm like, all right, I got to go work now. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather just sleep. Like if I ever get to that point, like it's, it's time to move on because you lose, you lose that drive and and we're happy people. Like, I love having a good time. And if I'm not having a good time, nobody's going to have a good time. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, I like what you said, too, about seeing how people react to certain things. And we, I said a little bit about that last week. And I've started to focus on it more. Like, product mix is one thing. You could see, okay, this sells well, that sells well. But in the last year, 18 months or so, I've started to pay a lot more attention to how people react to certain things. Mm-hmm. So just because you're serving it, you see a certain thing. But... People's reactions are so important, and you could see like so much out of that and their behaviors. Just what you said, and like, I laugh when you said you saw the car park and people get ready because, uh, and you know, get everything ready for the people, the family coming in. Because I don't know, maybe when was I? When did I work at the club? Like twenty years ago, fifteen years ago. I remember you telling me stories about something this. like that. Yeah, I worked at a country club, and it was the same, the same kind of reason. I was like, I, I'm kind of done here because it's like monotonous. <coughs> same people coming in all the time. It's just members. And I got to one, I remember one Friday night, I looked at all the reservations. I saw who was coming in. I knew every member on there. I was in the bar. I know they come to the bar before they go to their table and about what time they get to the bar. I literally made everybody's drink and put it at the seat they were going to sit at. <laughs> and it was sitting there before they got there. And they sat down and they were like, like that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're like, nobody's ever done this for me. What? Right, yeah. Right. yeah, it's crazy. And what you were just saying too, JJ, was that there's such a, a big difference between the type of person that's coming out to Planet Pizza and the type of person that's coming to the Granola Bar and in the areas that they are and the type of establishment it is. Well, we should where, talk about what type of establishment it is because I'm not familiar with the Granola Bar. Yeah, I'll hold that for one further second, but yes, you are correct. Uh, with the pizza, like you were saying, people just take out. They come in, they run out. Yep. For us, that's what pizza is in, you know, this Northeast Territory, where it's like you go in, you get your slice, and you disappear. There's actually not that many places that sell by the slice in Connecticut, which is, like, kind of weird to me. Yeah. There's a few places here that are pretty good that I would compare to New York pizza, but, like, it's not a lot by the slice like you, you have in a New York pizza spot. You know, you go next door to Sal's where you're at, Just, and, you know, there's a handful of pies sitting there, and all those slices will go. It's not like a, no, nah, you got to order a whole pizza if I'm going to do something custom. It's all, it's all about volume when you talk about slice joints. Yeah. Because if you're not a, if you're not a, if you're not a busy slice joint, you're not going to, it's going to sit there too long and you can't yeah. sell it. So I could see why, like if you're in, we're in New York, pizza is like, if you're a good pizzeria in New York, the volume is crazy, right? Like you usually have a line out the door. Like you just mentioned Sal's there. I can't even figure out how many people walk into that place every day. <laughs> But if you don't have the volume, you might as well just say pies only. Because if a slice sits too long, it loses its integrity, right? Oh, yeah. So that's, I think that's the difference. And then 
move back over to Greenwich. Where just to prep it. I always, I always try to order just full pie either way. I'm not mad. I like the fresh pie. And then slide back over to Greenwich. And Greenwich is a town that has a little bit more money, typically. And the places that are there are, uh, I don't want to say fancier, but they, they feel a little bit more jazzed up. And yeah, they yeah. feel like you're paying for your worth of whatever you just paid for, if that makes any type of sense at all. <laughs> But describe the granola bar a little bit to people that don't know what that is, and there's many of them that don't. We've got a pretty big Indian following in India. People listening to the podcast. We got one yeah. guy in China too. There's yeah. no yeah, and there's one guy in China. But there's no, uh, <laughs> you know, there's no granola bars outside of this area. They don't know what that is right. necessarily. Describe so, that whole so business model. The granola bar is um, a cafe that tailors their menu to to people's dietary needs. So now more than ever, I think there are more people that are having gluten allergies. They can't have dairy. They can't have um, peanuts. So it, it's really what they were doing is looking for a menu that was going to be a healthy menu, but also something that you can go and indulge. And it's not going to be, it's like that in between where you know you're getting something healthy, but you could also like cheat a little bit and be, make it part of your routine where it's not going to kill you to go there and every day you're spending $30. It, you don't have to spend $30. You could go in, get an egg bowl, get a coffee, and then walk out $12 spent, but you're getting a good meal and great service. So that's, that's, what, that's what was rolling out at the time, you know? Um, and, and, I mean, I highly suggest that you guys stop in at any time. Like, go to Greenwich, go to Westport. Westport was their first location, and they got this beautiful bakery in the back, so it's a small front, big bakery, uh, back-of-house area. That's where they make all the granola and everything, so... Um, now, not only are they just doing granola stuff, but I've seen some of the coffees over there also. Oh, yeah. And the presentation on them are beautiful. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I think at towards the beginning of it, and I'm not sure what it is, what's happening right now, but Stuart, uh, I don't remember his last name, Schmersler, I think I just butchered that, but he, he is a coffee genius, and he was actually the one who, who trained myself and JC when we first arrived there he, he was just the person in Greenwich who was handling the bar making all the drinks and coming up with these awesome ideas and and we were fortunate enough to work with him for a couple of months while we were serving and he was just open to like you need to know how to do this properly and he was that type of person which would obsess over everything that he did it wasn't right make it again yeah, yeah that's not right no make it again it's like well we just wasted two cars but it doesn't matter make it again like it needs to come out perfect and and then it's like okay so you start to to really care about the product and, and then that carried on with us where it's like no like you know we we went through that we need to make sure that we're teaching people how to do this properly as well so that that coffee program was was insane it was what goes into the perfect cup of coffee at least over there what goes into the perfect cup of coffee yeah like what builds the perfect cup of coffee it doesn't matter how you answer this someone's gonna someone <laughs> is gonna be like no that's yeah. not correct well i think maybe well, more volatile double shot of espresso <laughs> I take mine with a shot of hazelnut and a little oat milk, and that's the perfect cup of coffee for me. I'm not mad at that. I'm yeah. a black guy. I, I don't put anything in there. I'm very happy. We should actually say that JJ did come over here with some spike lattes. Hard lattes. Hard, I'm sorry. They were hard. <laughs> actually, they're very hard because I didn't know. I was downstairs, and I come back up here. And I took one sip and I go, is that spiked? He goes, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> They're good though. They are very good. So like in being at the granola bar, you were there for a while. You weren't there for a short stint. You were there for like two years or so. Yeah, it was like two and, two and a half years. That's enough time to really pick things up. And, you know, seeing 
or having you just say working with a gentleman that had to get everything right and would make you do things again and again until it was right really helps train somebody's brain to think about procedurally how things should be and getting things to that 95%. You know, you could skip 5% here and there, depending on if you need the speed or whatnot. And in wanting to do things right the whole way, it's more of like a why reason. Like, this is why we do this. Don't right. just do it that way. Let me explain to you why we're going to do it this way. And let me explain why that's the perfect cup of coffee. Or let me explain to you why we have to greet everybody in a five-foot radius, you know, from a server just for them to be able to feel acknowledged. You mm -hmm. know, there's so many people that operate where they just can't be told what to do in the mm -hmm. sense of just saying, hey, greet everybody in a five-foot radius. There's that person and there's a handful of them that need to understand why we're doing that. Right. Because they'll be more likely to do it at the end of the day if they understand the reason and the rationale for it. Well, and I think I think it's more than just like the reason for it. I think that there's a lot of people out there that will listen to the reason and kind of like, okay, that's what you want, but I don't really care for that, right? Sure. And then there's the person that is buying into your mentality, and and then those are the people that that we obsess over, and we're just like, you know, like like let me let me show you the way, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> like this is what we've been doing, and you're buying into this mentality. We would love to have you. And, and and I think those are the people that that send the experience like through the roof because they really, whether you're there or you're not there, are continuing to to do that for you. And you're really reiterating the fact of what we just spoke about on the last episode with John and Morgan too, where they said we want to give these guys equity, we want to give these guys a share, we want to give them something for them to continue moving forward and want to continue bleeding and sweating for us, right, and mm -hmm. building a brand essentially. And I said, well, how do you find those people? You know, where do you find those people? And at this point now, to, to bring everything back over towards Taco Daddy, Fortina, and Lila Rose, you wound up meeting John in the granola bar. Right? Yeah, I, I th we, we had briefly met while, while I was opening Armonk. Okay. And, and him and Christian and their team would always go there in the mornings and have breakfast, and then that's how we made the, the Fortina connection. But, so you start seeing these guys kind of every day as they're coming in, and yeah. you, you create that bond or friendship. Hey, we align together. Well, yeah, I mean, with John, I it, it happened when I actually joined Fortina. I never really got to, to interact a lot with John. I interacted more with uh, Christian at that time. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, those guys were just on it. And, and it was the, the same mentality where it's just like, we want to grow together. And to be able to grow together, we need to think alike. And, and there's nothing more rewarding than to like set yourself up with people that are just driven to continue to grow. Because we, if you're not thinking that way, then just leave, you know, yeah. just quit, find another job do, or take a vacation. Like, you know, don't do anything for a couple of months, but that that's their mentality, just growth. And, and it was something that myself and I always say we, because my brother and I we were like, we're a team, you know, wherever, wherever we go, like we'll do this thing together because we, we, we think alike. And for me, it's, you know, you always have to have that person next to you. That's kind of like checking your every move where it's going to be like, no, nah, that's not right. Like we, we need to do this differently, but still thinking the same way. So I laugh as earlier. You're like, all right, I'm working at the pizza joint now. And your brother's like, nah, we're off pizza. Now we're doing the granola bar. And you're like, yeah. all right. And by it. the way, this is my younger brother. I love okay? it. That so so he's like, yeah, he, he's just like the, this like 
fucking savage that he, he just <laughs> moves forward and it doesn't matter what it is. He's just like running through walls, whatever it takes, you know? You talk to so many guys that just get like so stagnant in where they are. And at some point, like there could be a, a ceiling and guys can't go past that ceiling. And I think the real question is like, at what point do you decide that you've got to move on into something else in order to further your own career instead of being, you know, stuck on the pasta station for 15 years and, you know, not being offered another position somewhere within the kind of grow up. I don't know if pasta station is like a bit. I'm just saying like stuck in one place, you know Seems what I mean? Seems to be a theme the last couple of weeks. So I've been around the pasta station. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been, yeah, but pasta station is intense. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a good time. A, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. not for slouches. It's definitely not for slouches. <laughs> so at what point do you decide when there's no more growth in a place? And for you, you just said that if you don't feel, if you don't feel motivated and full of pep when you walk into a place anymore and that that's kind of just fizzled out and burnt out, it's probably time for you to move on. Right. But like, what keeps guys in a position, just getting a paycheck week after week? I think... I or think a it, safety net? I think, I think so. I think that there's some people out there that, you know, depending on their family situation, they, they just need to make sure that they're getting that paycheck. And then they're also too busy with their personal lives to really think about the next move and, and how to grow. You know, like, I'm 30 years old. I'm not married. I don't have kids. Like, that is, I think, what allows me to continue to just, like, make split decisions and then just, like, go with it. Without having to really like sit back and think like, oh shit, you know, like I can't really do this because I have all this responsibility behind me. Um, but that might not be the case for for a lot of these other guys, you know. So so it's just about really talking to every single one of the employees and and, and then spending time with them to let them understand what our mentality is, what their mentality is, what their expectation of us is. And, and to really be able for us to deliver to the employee every single day because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are putting, you know, this blood, sweat, and tears. And, and meanwhile, we're trying to figure out how to, how to steer, you know? So, yeah, I mean. It's funny when, you know, you look at things where dudes work 40-hour weeks, work their ass off, they get their paycheck at, a, you know, a minimum wage, whatever it is. And by the time they get out of work, they don't want to do anything else. You're so exhausted after working and busting your ass all day long that you just want to sleep, rest, relax a little bit before you have to clock back in again tomorrow. Yep. And it's such like a, it's such a tough spot to be in because that doesn't give you the extra time that you need to do creative freedoms. Like we're not getting paid out here to do this podcast. We just put right. this extra time in because there's a love for the hospitality community that we have, right? And we're talking to all these guys and getting all these guys' stories week after week over and over again. But like. There's a lot of prep work that gets put into this too. And it's for the love of doing this, the love of talking to other people that are in these bars and restaurants. And not only that, but it's almost like a paying it forward to the next guy. Right. So I'll be honest, it's kind of education too. Yeah. I, I learn something sure. every week. Completely. You know? yeah. yeah. And we're fortunate enough to be able to have the extra allotted time to be able to do these things. I mean, also, of course, because COVID and a lot of guys aren't working and whatnot. Speak for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, you've been fortunate just obviously to be operational this entire time, which a lot of guys have not. They've packed in the bags and said, you know, this isn't for us right now, and it's a wrap. So seeing somebody like you or seeing somebody say something like John and Morgan where these guys bust their asses, they work their asses off, these are the guys that we want to give equity, it's like it, it shows within the hospitality community what can be accomplished if you do wind up being almost a lifer and busting your ass into wanting to fulfill the bigger goal, if you will. So now you go to Fortina, you've met Christian, you've, you're meeting John, you're meeting all these guys that are kind of putting together that Armonk location, which is a beautiful environment. 
Quickly explain Fortina a little bit further for guys that don't know what the brand is. Fortina is a Bronx Italian restaurant. But not in the Bronx. But not in the Bronx. You're out in the <laughs> suburbs, and and it's a, it's a fucking experience, you know? From the moment you walk in, these beautiful high ceilings. If you go to Stanford, you go to Yonkers. Um, you go to Armagh. Armagh's a little bit different because it's got, like, this old style to it, but it's, I mean, stunning, you know? Um, but what I, what I really take away from there was the hospitality. And then that's what John's taught me. It's the, you're out there to make friends every day. You know, you're not there to, to just go out and serve people food. Because that's not, I mean, it is what the restaurant's basic function is, but it's not what we're there. You know, it's not why I'm there every single day. I'm there to, because I love meeting people. I love talking to these guys, touching every table, making sure that everybody is having a good time. Like, you didn't like something? Okay, let, let's, let's swap it out. Like, let's make sure you have a really good experience. Now, nobody else is doing that. Nobody else, at least not to the restaurants where we normally frequent. Nobody's really doing that. They're kind of like letting you do your thing. And Fortina was not that. Fortina was in your face. You know, they're in your table like you're not smiling. What's going on? Like, you know, here's, here's some meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then suddenly everybody, everybody starts smiling. And then on top of that, well, obviously we had um, the liquor program and it was something that was completely new to me. Um, and then that was fun. You know? well, what yeah. was so fun about that? Well, we sell sex, Noom. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what's it's just so like, fun about. Guess what? Now you get to party every yeah. night, you know? And, and that, that, was, that was something completely different. We, we got the opportunity to do three blackout brunches where you would black out <laughs> it's all like you of read the my windows. Mind. Everything. It was just, it was 11 o'clock at, in the morning on a Sunday. But it looks like 11 o'clock at night. Exactly. On a Saturday. <laughs> and you're walking in. Everything's pitch black. You got the strobes going, the music's blasting, and then, you know, maybe maybe you get some dancers. These people are coming out and just dancing nonstop, or maybe you just get shot with a, a bazooka of confetti, or maybe there's a <laughs> champagne gun coming from the right. from, from the bar room, you know? And then that was where I was like, oh, oh, okay. So the, there's no rules. You really get to do whatever it is that you want to do as long as people are having a good time and are being safe. So, again, this is all pre-COVID, right? When we actually had a life and, like, had a good time. Um, but, but that was the biggest takeaway. We did, we did the Halloween uh, party in Stanford where we had, like, 3,000 balloons hanging above the, the uh, bar room, and we just let that rip right at midnight. We did another one in Armonk, and, and those were, like, okay, we, we could do this. I never knew that you know, what it took to, to like make something like that happen. And then it was just like, okay, we could really continue to do this. Um, but that, that was, that was it. You know, that was that, that fun part of Fortina that I, that I really take away from. I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that up because one of the things that always sat in my mind about, or I guess I was early 14, I'll say early 14, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. you know, whatever it's, it is what it is. They, it was the first time I ever saw an actual restaurant, like an actual ser- full service, like real restaurant. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it differently, but. Like a restaurant able, concept, not a bar. Right, yeah, like an actual, like that was based on service. That was at, based on good food that had a chef driven menu that yeah. had a, a bartender driven uh, cocktail program. It was the first time I, was, I saw an actual restaurant be able to pull off something like a blackout brunch <laughs> and not. Uh, Lose integrity. Yeah, lose integrity for yeah. the restaurant. 
Because yeah. I, I always felt like we've always had conversation. Oh, we could throw this party over here. And the conversation would always be, but if we do that, do we, become, do we become like a party bar and not a restaurant anymore? Right, do we right. lose our credibility as a restaurant because we throw this party over here? Mm-hmm. And Fortina kind of was the first one to do that. Say, no, no, we're, we're, we're a real restaurant. Like we're, we're cooking good fucking food <laughs> and we're making really good drinks. But we're also gonna throw a fucking banging ass party, and it's not gonna be weird. Yeah. Right? You're gonna be right. you're gonna be totally cool with like coming out to dinner with your parents on Friday night. Yeah. And then partying with your boys on Sunday, you know, Sunday morning. Yeah. Or whatever. And I was like, this is cool. All right, yeah. we can. There's a, there's a place here for a real restaurant operation to also have this kind of fun yeah. and not and not fuck it up. They were also the first ones to like really kick ass with your Instagram feed. Remember, like That's you true. and I used to talk about that years ago. Saying that they were the first thing you saw in the morning. You'd wake up and Fortina would have this badass picture of like a slice of pizza or something like that. Right, right, right. And, and that would be the first thing you saw every single day. And again, it's consistency and yeah. it's John Nealon. Like he's, that's that's what he does, you know? That's what he knows how to do. And yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a fucking genius in that. And it's really just like being in everyone's face and being that good time that you want to have. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, if, at the end of the day. You're out wait. there listening with an old Italian pizza joint. Don't necessarily think you're throwing a blackout brunch tomorrow. We should <laughs> no, please do. I want Call to me. We got you. No, we have to discuss the, the viability of doing such, right? Like, uh, and what I'm I love the towards. Bronx Italian phrase, too. It's like, we know what that means. I don't know if anybody else like across the country knows what that means. But Suze Bronx Italian, I'm like, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Ah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, what's, ha- I want to say just uh, obviously you don't have the number on hand but how many of the people that would frequent fortina were plus 50 in age group i feel like it's not yeah, i think as it de- high. i think it depends they're there i'm on not saying the not. restaurant armonk oh yeah it is okay. it, a huge yeah crowd. it's an old uh stanford it, i would say maybe like a i don't know 40, 60, yeah. 30, 70, something around well, nobody that. over 40 even lives in Stanford. So. Right, right. But but it was always also how you carry through service because you, you're not blasting music at 7 o'clock in, in the afternoon at night and then making everybody that's out with their families like, okay, I don't want to be in this loud environment. Let me go yeah. home. You, you, we kind of, you know, you carry it out throughout the night and then when you when you know that at the time is right, then you let it rip. So, And it, in that process of, and that's funny to talk about, I don't think we've said that too much uh, the conversion of daytime into night service. I always like to look at like it's a three prong move that you create where you hike the music 20% first, you hike the lights down. Mm-hmm. I guess you don't hike it. What's the da- opposite of hike? Uh, turn them down. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Turn, hey, you off. turn it you know, lower, lower, you turn, lower. You drop it 20%. Yeah, there you go. And then phase two, you do it again. And then, you know, by phase three, you've essentially it's 10 or 11 o'clock. Well, New York standards, 10 or 11 o'clock pre, is when you're... Yeah, 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 right now we're home at 10. Correct. I'm, just, I'm not trying to change my mentality. Otherwise, you lose it if you don't use it. Uh, but then, of, of course, by like 10, 11 o'clock, you've started getting into the whole night mode and like the daytime diners aren't there. Your 50-plus crowd's not really there anymore. And you haven't fully dissatisfied them by turning up the music too fast. But you do see a lot of places that just go like 0 to 100 so quickly right. where there's no finesse. There's like no suave. Just pop it. It's going to be okay. <laughs> it's like it, you get so sensitive about extra sounds, though. I know yeah, I, I do. Was thinking. I didn't want you to have when to edit you, later. No, when you crack the can faster, it makes it lower and like less, less obtrusive. Um, but no, there's a process to creating nightlife when you're going from you know this daytime vibe and... Uh, I guess I've never been in Fortina on the super late night. Stanford was a little bit different because yeah. here you would bring a DJ in to Fortina oh, yeah. a lot of times and he'd 
have his little stage up there at the top and he wicker, wicker, wicker left and right, like right through the dinner service. And like nobody mind because again, this whole town's under 40 and nobody's complaining that the music's too loud. Right. And if they are, they probably won't come back again, but it doesn't matter because it's the trendy spot that everyone wants to be at. And that's where everyone's sitting, having their pizza and their bone marrow luge, which is a huge thing. Yeah. Nuts. Yo, not for nothing. Such the first time. time I had the bone marrow luge was in Armonk. The, the fancy oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the first time I did that. And I did it in uh, Yonkers, and I think Stanford also. Well, ex- explain the bone marrow. That's, a, that's, a, that's another itself. thing that I was like, I, yeah, all right, yeah. we can do. How was your like experience, this? please? So, <laughs> Armonk was a lot of fun. Um, Yonkers was probably the best one. The Yonkers one was uh, for the Burger Blast pre thing. Whatever. Oh, that was. that's right, that's right. Yeah, so that that was like a big party, whatever. But the bone marrow thing is, um, you get the bone marrow dish, then you finish eating the oh. bone marrow out of the bone. Uh, wine and food festival. Not not just burger buys. That's uh, what that was. The wine, was the wine and food, food festival, festival, festival kickoff. kickoff. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Excuse me. Anyway, so you get the bone marrow dish. You finish eating the bone marrow out of the bone. Then the server will come over and they'll pour Jack Daniels or some whiskey or something like that down the bone marrow into your mouth. That's a lot of fun. I think there's video of me doing that. Fourteen <laughs> oh, yeah. hours. Yeah. We, we 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 made sure. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. It's a lot of fun. When when you're doing things like this where you've never heard of something like this before, uh, first off, I love bone marrow. As a kid, my grandfather would always scoop it out for me and throw it on my plate, and I'm like, what is this, you know, <laughs> soft shit? And you'd wind up eating it and be like, well, this is delicious. Yeah. Not when you're young, you probably don't appreciate it as much, but you get older, you develop a taste for it. So figure out my face when I walk into Fortina and the server, or it was, I think it was even like the bus boy, he came over and he was just like, Yo, you guys want to do the bone marrow luge? And I was just like, "What is this kid talking about?" And I was like, "Go for it." Yeah, this? but also, like, what pizza place do you go to to get a bone marrow luge? Like, that's kind of out of <laughs> right. Out of control. Agree, agree. But you know, coming over, I, I thought this was a joke. I didn't even think this was real. And when he left, after I confirmed, like, "Fuck yeah, I want to do this." When he left, I told the rest of the table, I was like, "Yo, I bet you guys anything." He's going over to the rest of the squad over there and being like. Yo, I bet you twenty bucks I could get them to drink out of this, this <laughs> bone marrow piece. Like you almost don't feel like it's Watch real because yeah. it's so outlandish at the exactly. end of the day. And then uh, you find yourself doing it. But now, so you go from the granola bar, which is all super early in the daytime, mm-hmm. and you have the hungover crowd, if anything, I think in there, where they're yeah. probably trying to nurture themselves a little bit of coffee, maybe some granola. Now you're experiencing like where that whole nurturing <laughs> element came from on the other end, being in Fortina with the party at the end of the night and, you know, being in a new, fresh, trendy spot and environment. Armok's my favorite, by the way, also. Um, but going from where you didn't have a liquor program before, there's so many dangers of having a liquor program without having the knowledge of how the liquor program works. Yeah you know, your sensitive areas and what causes problems all the time. And we know better to steer away from them because you know things will just end in a loss typically. How did you adjust into being around that environment where like, where do you decide, hey, we got to cut a guy off? You know what I mean? That yeah, yeah. For somebody in the, coming in freshly from Granola Bar in the morning, I would think you'd be more avid about cutting somebody off faster versus being in this lifestyle where you go, Nah, he could stomach another drink, no problem, without him being a real problem, you know, to himself or others. I think for me, in that specific scenario, was I was just lucky to be surrounded by the right people. And Dan Sanchez, who was the bar manager at 14 at the time, who is now our bar manager at, over at Lila Rose, was that person who I connected with very quickly as soon as I came onto the team. And he he had it all down. You know, he's been doing this for years. Um, and him and I were of the same mentality where it's like, we're here to have a good time or, or, or else we're not here. And he was the one who kind of just took me under his wing and was 
just showing me this the the entire step it's like look like this is what you're looking for this is what we're doing like i knew the management aspect of it and the number side and like how to keep payroll and everything else going but not how to manage a bar like i never made a drink in my Different life piece. you know until that time it was just like vodka soda lime that's it <laughs> you know and and then and then that was it he was the one who really just like nailed it down and and he took the time out of his day to make sure that I understood as as his man, you know, like you walk into a new restaurant as a general manager, somebody could just be like, "Fuck this guy," you know, like yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell him what I know. I'm not, and that was not it. He was just like, "I know, I love this place. I'm gonna make sure that he has the best opportunity," and that's what he did. He just like, he just laid it down. Circle that back to McLovin, who we spoke to a few episodes back. His first day on the job, I was just like. Dude, I'm gonna be honest with you. Fuck you. You're probably not coming back here. <laughs> I was like, we've got we've got too many guys working here, and it's very unlikely that they're gonna call you back. And he was like, all right, fuck you too, man. <laughs> and sure enough, now he's done the longest stint for the company uh, to date, which is nice to see. But you do need those guys to kind of show you how things are done and kind of guide you through that process. It makes things a lot easier and acclimating yeah. to a new environment that you're in. You're saying you weren't that guy for. for yeah. For McLovin, I kind of wasn't. Okay. Uh, well, you're I, learning your girl, right? Don't you're get me wrong. I didn't, like, totally fuck him off. I did give him, like, the things that we had to do. It but was, I was just tough like, love. Yeah. It he was, immediately it said, you're yeah. not going to make it, just to make sure that you're he had to. trying to, like, break him down yeah. early. Yeah. 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 He like, wanted to make sure he had the perseverance to break gotcha. through. He's like, gotcha. no, yeah. no, fuck you. You're not going to come back tomorrow. And, and along with the, the bar service, and uh, I'm only saying this. completely I'm only saying this because where you're at now, too, is, is so bar heavy in a lot of the senses of, of the word of you know, what Lila Rose does. And when you're keeping a party, tying it back to Fortina, when you're keeping a party, you can't just be on the back of the bar on your phone looking down. You can't frown. You can't not be bobbing your head around to the music because the people on the other end, and you're not necessarily experiencing it right now because everyone's at tables, but when people are able to stand next to each other again, what they do is they always look straight at the bar and you're the first indicator of how a party's going. Yep. And forever, every single bartender and every single party bar I ever worked at that was kind of like on the burnt out side of the spectrum that was so over it, they would just be leaning against the bar looking at everyone like fucking idiots coming in here paying $12 a drink. God, Jesus. And <laughs> you would have you that there? mentality yeah. and you would see that the party would end earlier as a result of them not having fun. As opposed to like dancing, jumping up and down, nodding your head around, even though you've heard 50 cents, 21 problems a million times over again, you're still bobbing like you've heard it for the first time every time. You gotta learn that uncanny ability to be excited. A song the comes on. exciting things. Even though you've heard it 12 times. I oh, yeah. And I mean, yeah. it, and it sets the vibe from <laughs> right? the go. You know what I mean? Like, it, right. all it takes is one song. Like, you put on, what's this Beyonce song um, that all girls love? I think, oh, drunken love! Okay. I think it is drunken love. Okay. Like if the rooms, you know, it's it's not there yet. You put drunken love on, it's a wrap. That's it. Everybody's <laughs> off the fucking chair, <laughs> so and it's you know. It so, so in in Fortina, learn you, learn to like it, baby. You yeah. got it. You got it. And so now you're starting to understand <laughs> the party side of things and how that drives sales because there is a direct correlation between throwing a party and having sales and having right. a liquor program, of course. Uh, and you spent about. How long were you with Fortina? About oh, two and a half. Oh, it was that long? Yeah. Yeah, about. And when Lila opened, John left Fortina. Was that seamless transition for you also to say, I'm going this direction? Or just say a not, I mean, not really. We, we kind of, John had left and it had been uh, a year, basically almost a year because he had left. And then um, Morgan and him had started Taco Daddy. 
and and obviously we were very friendly because I I've known him from Fortina, but um, we didn't really start talking until it was about like four weeks away, where I knew what Lila Rose was and what was happening, and he just happened to call me one day and break it down for me, and he's like, "This is the opportunity that's for you. Do you want it or or not?" And and every day he would call me, <laughs> and we were just like, all right. So what do you think? And so what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And and that's just the person that he is. You know, he's driven and he knows what he wants, and he he, he he's he's trying to move. You know, there, there's no standing around um, in this group. So that happened, and now we're here. Well, I mean, he's highly intelligent, also to be offering, you know, sweat equity into the company, which is beautiful because it drives you to move a little bit harder and a little bit faster. Oh, for sure. And create the sales, monitor the drinks, make sure there's not too many comps going off with, you know, drinks disappearing into the air, and you're seeing these things. And I think a lot of guys just expect them to have some bartenders that come in. They don't, you don't necessarily pay them a little bit more money in a lot of places. And then they don't have the same drive. They don't care. Why would we do right. this extra work? Why would we do this? Now, he's created a reason for his place to be successful because he appointed you, you know, chief of equity over here on this side of Lila Rose, and you'll carry that torch. You'll make sure that place is successful. I mean, like, oh, yeah. in every single thing that you do, connecting with CT Bytes or, you know, whatever the bloggers are out there that we talked about in the last episode mm-hmm. with them, too. You know, these guys help CT make CT Bytes better hit us up with, you know, some <laughs> kind of shout-out pretty soon. Because we've, pl- <laughs> we've been plugging that a couple episodes I mean, now. I don't hey, mean- Steph, we love you. Say hello. <laughs> No, but, it, you know, we're really in a whole different world now. And in talking to John and Morgan about developing Lila Rose and building Lila Rose, everything now, the new age of restaurant, is built for social media to be able to pick it up. And there's not one single section of Lila Rose that's ugly. There's no ugly corner. Did you notice that when we were I, sitting I did. next week or last yeah. week? Uh, every single part of it is designed to be able to be photographed. The beautiful pineapples on the wall. Yeah, you got to be honest, walking in there reminds me of like walking into Alice in Wonderland or something like that. <laughs> yeah, With yeah. a big golden tree, it's just yeah. like kind of out it, of control. It's that escape for yeah. sure. It's, Before we get too deep into that story, you said uh, you knew what Ly- Lila Rose is. What What is Lila Rose? I mean, I know it's a restaurant, but like, what, is, <laughs> what, what is it? Well, oh, oh yeah. it's a cocktail and tapas okay. bar. So okay. it's, and a great time, by the way. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so um, it's just beautifully crafted cocktails and beautiful food that chef mo major and also partner in at lila rose took his time to really come up with a really diverse menu that you have little things from all over the world it's not just fried rice wagra fried rice for example is the most insane dish that i've ever put in my mouth like i (laughs) ate that for two and a half weeks straight when we first opened yeah and i could still eat it again like you just he, he took his time he really you know he cares and he's he's that type of person where you know chefs yeah, you know. <laughs> Sometimes, like those, could be the most hardest people to get along with inside yeah. of a restaurant, just because of the mentality that they have. Not this guy. Like, it's not him. He's happy every single day. The first thing he does when he walks in is a big woo and just starts clapping. <laughs> gets everybody like at the le- at the energy, and then you go. You know, and and that's what it is. I think Lila Rose is good food, good drinks, good times, great people, and like that's what it is. You know. It's fortunate enough to be able to have it as busy as it is. I mean, obviously, all new places that open up are always busy for some time. But 
there's something to say about the size of it. It's not humongous. It's got to be like 1,300 uh, square feet or something. I was going like to say 13,000. Right? <laughs> <That's laughs> it is humongous. The stadium. <laughs> I can't math. Uh, no, it's probably about 1,300 square feet, right? It but, plays bigger, though. Because we, when I saw that number that it was that size, and we were in there, what was that last week we were in there? Week, yeah. It plays bigger. It feels bigger than yeah. that. You know, it feels mm-hmm. well. You have open windows. You've yeah. got a little higher ceiling yeah. going on. It the really does. Open and there's things up. that break up the which space, which is good. I mean, you want to you want to feel bigger than you are. So yeah. well, yeah. there's a, there's a benefit to having a place that's a little bit smaller, also, and it's a lot easier to pack the room. And we oh, yeah. said this before about places like Candlelight on Central, where it's such a small hole, where there's only eight seats or something in there anyway, where it's always a line out the door, and that's what people rave about at the end of the day is. Oh, God, you see the line in candlelight again? They're all standing outside. There's nowhere to go. And I, I mean, these are different times than current. I don't know yeah, when yeah. the last time was you drove down there. But well, you would take always thing now, so it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty seamless different now. a little bit, yeah. yeah. But for the longest time, you would just rave about how crowded it was over there. But it's not. It's just a small space. If that space was something that was like 10,000 square feet, it would it'd be filled, but not anything to brag about. You wouldn't be like, oh, the place was slammed. Fortina has a big job ahead of them always because the spaces are humongous. And to fill those, it takes a lot, especially now having like five locations or four locations like within the area where people could just disperse instead of be a destination within a drivable distance. Uh, And in the future, we'll talk about Too Big Too Fast maybe. But in Lila Rose going in last week or the previous weeks or any time I've actually been in there, it's been pretty crowded on the nightlife experience. Yeah. Uh, Well, the... COVID nightlife experience, I guess we should say. The dinner. Yeah, the dinner. The dinner. dinner. And we've said a few times earlier, to make the most out of your spaces, you need to be really operating for as big of a time period as you can. And to tie everything kind of back into what you were saying earlier, JJ, about being the sandwich second king, um, (laughs) what you've done is really kind of bring a cafe vibe with this new concept that you've kind of span out. So why don't you tell us about It's Okay. <laughs> it's Okay. <laughs> it's Okay is um, JC and I, we, we've always wanted to like infuse these two, the nightlife with the morning, cafe, tailored menu too. Again, what we've learned over at the Granola Bar, which was being able to tailor somebody's experience, not just to their needs, but to their dietary restrictions, right? And... Also have a great time. Dietary restriction is kind of just code word for I have a gluten allergy, right? <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. Of. or peanuts and, yeah. you know, like it's, it's it's kids now. Gluten. Yeah, it's I mean, like, gluten. for us, maybe not, but I think yeah. the generations that yeah. are coming, like, more and more. There's, there's a big wave, more you know? Yeah, the menus will change, yeah. for yeah. sure. Then it's like... Oh, we, I'm, not, I'm not downplaying it. I'm just highlighting the selling of sex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, where was I? You were telling me I mean, about He the, throws you off with sorry. sex stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just what he does. You, you were telling me about the dietary restrictions and being able to... Right, so the cafe. So um, so it was that. It's just kind of incorporating the what we've learned over at the nightlife into that morning vibe where if you're going in between 7 and 9 o'clock in the morning, you're going to be listening to some cafe music, really low volume. You get to work on your computer if you have to. You also get to have great food. And by nine o'clock, if you feel like you want to have a mimosa, then like we got you, you know, if you're uh, a mom that just dropped your kids off at 
elementary school and now you have those two hours free for you and your girls to go out like we have that spot for you you know like we we will not only feed you what you need but we will also show you a great time and that's something that really i don't think has is here in connecticut right now and it's and it's something that um when i was over in arizona i went to a restaurant called snooze if you guys ever get the chance to go there like please visit them because it's a vibe sleep type snooze sleep type, yeah okay and you walk in there and they open from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And that is it. They don't have dinner service and they are packed <laughs> from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. We, we went twice, both times, different locations. We waited an hour and a half to get in. And it was just something like, you know, it, it was mind-blowing because one, I had never visited a place like that. But it also opened my mind up to, I know how to do both. So why not kind of do our twist into something that's similar to this? And, and that's basically what we're doing right now with SOK Cafe. And funny enough, like the name SOK, we, we were playing with it and it was kind of like Juan Juan Cafe. We don't really like, you know, what do we do? And then in a meeting, we we're kind of just shooting shit and SOK came out and it's like, no, 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 that's the name. <laughs> John immediately was just like, that's, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting because, and people will catch on obviously as time goes on, but SOK, the cafe side of things, is all, it's really Lila Rose's alter ego. It's in the same exact space. There's not too much different in the environment, except for you're creating a friendly area for people to come in and do some work on their laptop during the day. Come get your sexy coffee, cappuccino, whatever it is that you're into, plus a nice little sandwich or some eggs in the morning. Slutty paninis. Okay. Yeah, tell me more about those, <laughs> those short skirt paninis. Uh, but it's a thing that is kind of genius. And I think that you really helped through your experience in general, able to bring that to the table where they didn't really have that before. They weren't thinking about let's do a cafe side of things. And as it catches on and the numbers start to build and you're looking on the back end, you're like, look at what we just made up during the times that we weren't currently open. I mean, were you even open as Lila Rose during the daytime previously? No, no, no. So we, we were strictly operating from three to close, which was 1.30 a.m., you know, and that was literally every single night we closed at 1.30. Like, we had to kick people out, and that was that was a beautiful feeling, like opening up. We were still during COVID, but people were still trying to go out and stay out till 1 o'clock in the morning and feeling safe. You know, everybody mm-hmm. was following the guidelines. We were making sure that everybody was safe, and, and that was to me, the most insane feeling because coming from Fortina, like, yeah, we had a good time. We had a good nightlife, but we the dining rooms were clear out at 11 and then maybe we'd close by 12 tops, right? During the weekdays. Here at Lila, we, we were busy. on the, We were closing and kicking people out at 1.30 in the morning and then we get hit with the, with the curfew. Yeah. And then the curfew was crippling to us because that's when... That's when we the party started. That's when the vibe began. That's when the, what we were talking about before the older crowd is kind of leaving, and then the younger demographic is coming in to have a good time, to blast music, and to just live that experience. And we lost that. So then it became more of a touch and go with every table to make sure that everybody was having a good time, but at the same time not really bothering with the high volumes. Or so we we had to adjust a lot. And, and we started doing, uh, JC and Dan came up with this uh, table side cart um, 
bar service so we would just kind of like go to the tables ask them what kind of night they were trying to have and what cocktails and what base they would want and it was just bartender's choice so with little things like that we started to to just like evolve that night life that really lasted till 9 30 o'clock at night um but that was not cutting it you know we we weren't getting the results that we needed at the time so we we talked about let's rolled out this cafe right now because we we're awake at seven o'clock in the morning well, why aren't we here you know, let's let's sell more beautiful food and do other things that that are going to bring people to us, and especially in this community. You know, like we have what like five thousand people in the in in a span of like eight blocks. So it's not like we don't have the people. We have the product, and we have and we have the um, the following. We just need to continue to to bring more products that people enjoy and then i think that's that's what we were trying to do then and what we continue to do now you know it's just please the guests give them a good experience and make sure that we can keep all of our staff on and not have to start firing people you know because that's that's something that none of us want you know so that was that was the beginning of that with also talk back to the the quote-unquote dinner life uh right dinner life not night life yeah being where we are right here above all these apartments are all above us does that ever provide any issues to you with sound complaints or you know people drunk on the street maybe and yeah, screaming I mean, at the top of their lungs yeah <laughs> it, yeah yes and no so security's beautiful so having security always helped before definitely a problem where people would leave the restaurant and just be loud so we had to hire security to just you know keep everybody calm and make sure that everybody's getting to their cars and home safe um, but now it's not really the case. I think nine nine thirty hits and you're nowhere near where you 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 even can or want to be. So it's, it's funny because in COVID time here, like everything, your whole world has changed, and especially in New York right now, the sun goes down so much earlier. So I find myself in bed at like ten thirty. Does 11 sun o'clock. even come out? Yeah, it does. <laughs> what what is sun? What is Bruh, this? I'm sitting here laying in bed the other night, and I hear all these fools screaming up and down the street. And I just was like, <laughs> "What are these people doing out here? Coming from Taco Daddy and Lila Rose screaming at the top of their lungs?" I felt like an old man for one second, and sure enough, I looked at my watch and I was like, "God, I got nothing to complain about. It's eleven o'clock." <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, it's not even that late. I'm actually, you know, quick sidebar. I'm gonna run for president in 2024, and my only campaign is I'm gonna uh, cancel daylight savings. <laughs> That's my whole plan. It's gonna cause a problem eventually. Yeah. 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 Right, well, you will win. Yeah, we won't go far into daylight savings. <laughs> Do wait, who's who's behind the glass? We're at the Lila Rose. That that was um, Dave, our bar um, yeah. director, and and John. Like they they both well, obviously, and Morgan as well. And and before I came in, they had already developed that cocktail program. But did you that guys think was it was going to be like blowing. a tough sell to get people to drink a cocktail out of a bird's backside? Um. <laughs> Out of a bird's backside. It was, it was definitely, you know, <laughs> it, it was weird. It, it wasn't weird. It was just new. <laughs> and I guess people are into that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> like, let's go. I know? ordered that drink, uh, I guess it was like two weeks ago now, and you put it down in front of me. I didn't realize I ordered that. <laughs> but halfway through the drink, I was, was like, fine with it. Yeah. It no, was no, on, it's you delicious. put it on Instagram, though. Yeah, no, I was. And so, I had does, to. And I so had does everybody else. Yeah. So, it's part of the experience. You know, there and, you go. And look, and so this weekend, I had this cra- like, oh, crazy yeah, this, this experience. The what again? The pigs? You well, well, no, we've had the pigs too, oh, okay. but people, by the way, 
having them is a blessing and a curse because yeah. there's a lot of exposure, but also everybody takes them. They just disappear. I'm sure. they, yeah, it, they just vanish. <laughs> and How much is each glass? Do you know? It's like between five and six dollars. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, so it's that's not like, too bad, but I mean, when you have to buy a hundred yeah, every that's three expensive. weeks, that's that's a bill. So, you know? government had it. We had uh, wine glasses that were sixty-five dollars a piece. Talk about ninety-dollar plates. It doesn't matter, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just saying, $65 a piece. That hurt when they broke. Uh, yeah. Bartender Chico, by the way, you go to Goodwill and you check out the glass racks. And if you're consistent showing up like on a Monday or a Tuesday when they're throwing out fresh goods, you will find dope-ass glassware from like 1950s, 1940s. Like somebody that died who winds up you know, having the kids donate all this shit to Goodwill. Yeah. I have so much awesome glassware in my cabinets. <laughs> Wait, and where, like, where is this? Where do you go? Which one? You go to the Goodwill right here up the street. Stanford? They have a nice little glass counter. It's like a whole lengthwise thing. I mean, okay. you're not going to find enough only on, stock. Only on Mondays? <laughs> yeah. Monday, Monday Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you cruising the shelves. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you there Monday. Uh, <laughs> no, but sure enough, A, you're paying nothing. You're paying a dollar a glass. But the problem that you would have in a restaurant slash bar atmospheres you're not going to find enough of the same glassware yeah, yeah it's yeah. not happening these are like two off you're lucky if you get four off <laughs> and yeah if you see the four off you take the four off yeah uh one of the cocktail competitions we were in that we got disqualified pretty quickly for sore subject we won't talk about it we wound up bringing down a handful of custom glassware that we wound up taking from a bunch of different goodwills and like crushed that- the presentation just got killed on you know the execution is that why Stop. you got disqualified for bringing your own glassware? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> JJ, tell them where to find you. Tell them when to show up to. It's okay. It's tell okay. Them. 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. Saturdays, we open at 8 a.m. We go to 11 a.m., then 11 a.m. The brunch menu kicks in, but you could still get everything you want off the cafe menu up until 3. Um, and that's Saturday and Sunday. So. And on the night side of things, then tell them where to find Lila Rose. Lila Rose from 3 to 10, well, 9.30 p.m. And Monday through Sunday. Yeah. That's it. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. That's it? It's over? Yeah, we got to go. This was good. This was good talk. (laughs) Guys, don't forget to smash that like and subscribe button because, you know, algorithms. Do you have an interesting business? Got a story to tell? Shoot us an email at info at waitingonfriespodcast.com and let's have a conversation. Get updates and behind-the-scenes collectives on Instagram at Waiting on Fries Podcast. And check out our guide for all the places we've spoken with to see where they are. See you on the next episode. Hey.